This TCU team has a lot of issues, but Chandler Morris for me is not near the top of the list. I'll talk about that next here in Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lockdown Horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're getting close to 950 subscribers, which is really cool. So I appreciate that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, you can find us wherever you get podcasts. And it's audio variety, the way podcasts are originally created. You can listen there as well and subscribe to those platforms. You can give me a rating, give me a review. All those things are appreciated. Uh, TCU come off a loss to West Virginia. They take on Iowa State this week. They are 3-2 and two on the season. A lot of you gave your thoughts on um, Monday's show, which I, I appreciate that. I really like hearing from you guys. And please, like, let me just give this caveat to start. I'm going to talk about Chandler Morris here in a minute. Don't, like, if I disagree with your opinion, that's fine. Don't let that discourage you from not giving me your opinion. Like, this is not me shutting you down and saying, don't, you know, participate or don't send me your feedback. I want to hear your feedback. But, I also just want to respond to, you know, people who um, give me feedback on the show or give me feedback on the team. And so I'm going to do that today here in the first segment. Because one thing that I, I guess I'm I'm not shocked by it, because anytime a team struggles, the quarterback's going to get a lot of the blame. That's just is what it is. It's the nature of the position, right? You get a lot of the credit, you get a lot of the blame. Um, Max Duggan got a ton of credit last year for everything that he did, rightly so. He also took a lot of heat the first three years of his career for the limited nature of the TCU offense. Chandler Morris is in his first full season starting, and some of you yesterday were like, he's not the guy. Uh, They need to bench him. He's not the quarterback of the future, all these things. So I'll I'll, um, address that in in two separate ways. First is in the short-term way, and then secondly is is long-term. Chandler struggled on Saturday. Didn't have his best game. The first half is pretty good. The final stat line – 23 of 41, 298 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so, like, not a horrible stat line. He didn't have any picks. Now, he had some throws that were really dangerous, and he was constantly on the move. He was thrown across his body a lot. The offensive line did not play well Saturday and didn't do a great job of protecting him. Um, but he didn't have a, a good second half. You know, missed some throws. There is still no – real vertical passing game threat. I mean, all their big explosive plays seem to be similar to what happened with J.P. Richardson Saturday, which is, you know, Chandler hits somebody across the middle or hits somebody on a 10, 12-yard route, and they take it to the house. And he had a few good touchdown throws against Houston um, and a few downfield throws against SMU. But for the most part, these these down, downfield passing games not working. And that's partly on him. But overall, I think Chandler's been really good this season. Um, you know, I've had my complaints, but for a guy who hasn't played a lot of college ball, I feel like he's got a good, a good command of the offense. He's been accurate. You know, I thought the Houston and SMU games were two of the best games of his career. He was throwing darts. He was, you know, processing things well. Now, they're warts in his game. Um, I would like to see him use his legs more. I thought when he pulled the ball in that zone read, that was – great. Um, I feel like he uses his legs a lot to try to extend plays and make plays downfield. 
where sometimes I'm just like, man, just get seven or eight yards on the ground and keep the chains moving. But the passing game was not working in the second half on Saturday. He made some dangerous throws. You could tell he was uncomfortable. He was frustrated. Um, and the offense in general wasn't moving. But I think you saw on Saturday, you saw a strategy and a game plan that a lot of teams are going to try to use moving forward, which is uh, West Virginia put two safeties back there and sort of dared TCU to throw in the intermediate game. And um, they brought some pressure from different angles, got some free runners in Chandler's face, made him uncomfortable. But the thing they did really well was they stopped the run and they pressured him. And I don't know how many teams have a defensive line that can do that consistently. Uh, I'm not feeling great now about the Texas and Oklahoma games in the upcoming weeks. Now, there's a lot of time between now and then. And Brandon Coleman was out, which makes a difference. But this O-line <clears throat> was not good against the West Virginia defensive line. That can make things happen. But that being said, I mean, you know, in the first half they scored 21 points. They moved the ball in between the 20s, and that's sort of been the story all year. It's just not executing the red zone, not executing short yard situations, putting Griffin Kell in bad situations by going backwards and forcing him to kick 50-plus yard field goals, which are tough for any kicker. But back to Chandler and where he is. First off, I really like Josh Huber. I'm not here to criticize him. Uh, I would say we know nothing about who Josh Huber is. He had an, a good spring practice. Uh, he made some nice throws in the spring game. He had a good fall camp, apparently. But he has hardly played at all. And the limited action he had in, like, the Nickel State game, had a couple turnovers. I don't think he is ready to step in there and, and run the show. I don't think he's he's there yet. I feel like if Chandler went down with an injury, uh, it would be really bad for TCU's season, especially with the struggles they have right now up front blocking. So that's the short-term angle. Chandler Morris gives TCU the best chance to win. I, I, there's no question about that in my mind. He's the best quarterback on the roster. I think there's a lot of unknown with Josh Hoover. And then also there's the fact that just to be frank about it, this coaching staff, they they missed on these guys. But they were uh, they were going pretty hard and fast after quarterbacks in the portal. Like, they made a run at uh, Walker Howard. They made a run at Sawyer Robertson. Um, they made a run at Jaden Rashada from the high school ranks. And, like, those are talented players. So, to a certain extent, yeah, you want to you go get those guys regardless of what your roster situation looks like. But I think it also speaks to the fact that they weren't super comfortable with the backup situation. They went and got Chance Nolan, who ended up uh, leaving football after a few days and just retiring, essentially. But I think one of the reasons they did that was because they didn't feel like if Chandler went down with an injury, they had the people in that quarterback room that could take them where they need to go as far as what their ceiling is. Um, so that's the short term angle. Like he just gives you the best chance to win. That's just, I, I don't really think that's debatable, honestly. Um, now from a long-term standpoint, I don't know. We'll see how he plays this year. I mean, there's a lot of games left. We got seven games left where hopefully he's healthy and he can play. Um, and 
hopefully eight if you include a bowl game. And so we'll see what he does down the stretch. I mean, he's he's a young QB in experience, but he's been around college football for a long time. So I don't know where his head's at and what his decision will be moving forward. Uh, Haas Haney's coming in um, next year as a 2024 player. And I think Haas is going to be a fantastic quarterback for TCU. Um, you know, it's pretty rare that you see true freshmen step in and be great immediately, especially at that position. And that's not me saying anything bad about Haas. I think he's a fantastic player and a fantastic athlete. But, you know, there's there's development that has to happen, right? And so um, TCU could go a lot of different directions, including bringing him in. They could dip in the portal and see what that looks like. But bottom line is right now Chandler Morris is your guy. And he's your guy in the moment. I think there's a good chance he's your quarterback next year too, depending on what happens here down the stretch. And, like, I'm not done with this team. You know, I I think it's been disappointing. Maybe all our expectations were out of whack. But I'm not going to apologize. Like, some people have have told me, you know, your preseason expectations are way too high. You know, it's because you're so biased and all these things. I'm not going to apologize for having high expectations for this team. I understand what they lost. Like, I get, you know, all the players that they lost off last year's group. And I know that sometimes it can just be a lightning in the bottle thing. But, like, TCU is a good enough program to be consistently good. I'm just not going to buy into this idea that they're always going to be a developmental cycle school. And what I mean by that is essentially you can put together one really elite year together every three or four years. And it depends on, you know, how, how experienced and how well your players have developed through uh, the process of playing college football. So last year was like the peak of that development cycle because they had a lot of guys that had played for three or four years in that program that were starters, that were contributors. And even though it was a new coaching staff, they understood how to play college football. They were grown men and they were ready to make things happen right away. Um, and so now we're seeing the the pendulum swing towards a much younger team from an experience standpoint that's going through some growing pains. But they've lost two games by a combined six points. I don't know how good Colorado is. I think they're obviously better than people thought. Um Seems like a team that's going to go to a bowl game. They're not like they've lost to USC and in, in Oregon in back-to-back games, so they played USC pretty well. Uh, West Virginia has a, a good system, and they're a good football team. And I think there's a path for them to win eight or nine games. So neither of those losses on their own are inexcusable, but at the same time, they're the games that you should have won. Uh, but you didn't. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But – I still think Chandler Morris is the guy that gives them the best chance to win these games. And so where do we go from here? Like, how do you fix some of these issues that came up uh, against the Mountaineers? We'll talk about that next. And we'll just discuss how these next two games are really going to decide this team's football season. Like, it's it's put up or shut up time. And so we'll get into that next. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your team every day. <clears throat> All right, the Game Time app. You can download the Game Time app today and use the promo code Locked On College to get twenty dollars off. If you've never used the Game Time app before, I would highly encourage you to do it. You know, I'm someone who's bought tickets on the secondary market for years, whether it be StubHub, Ticketmaster, 
all those different things. But I didn't, I did not know about the game time app before they started sponsoring with us. And I can give you a true testimonial. I think it's the best app out there for buying tickets on the secondary market. Um, one feature I love about it is that it gives you a clear picture of where your seats are when you, you know, purchase them. The, the tickets go right to your phone. So you know where you're going to sit. You know how to get them. You know how to access them. Uh, there's all these crazy hidden fees and all those things. And they have, uh, they have flash sales like up until a couple hours before the event. So you don't have to plan months in advance to go to the concert you want to or the game or the comedy show or whatever it is. You can wait until, you know, a couple days before and find the best deals because the game time app sorts it and they put the best deals up at the top. So you can, you know, not waste time trying to find where to sit and where to go. Game time app, download it today. Use that promo code locked on college for $20 off your first order. We appreciate game time for being a sponsor of the locked on network. All right. So this is it. Um, Man, this these next two games, Iowa State on the road and then BYU at home, this is going to decide how this season goes for TCU football. I thought there was a chance <clears throat> that they could go 7-0 and in the first seven games. That's not going to happen. Um, after the Colorado loss, I was like, all right, maybe they can go 6-1. and And if, if that season opening loss is the only one on your record going into the back half of the schedule, then we're feeling pretty good, right? Well, we all know what happened against West Virginia. And so you're three and two. Um, and if you drop one of these next two, and Iowa State has a good defense, Matt Campbell, good coach. They are, again, limited offensively. But the last few weeks, they've actually put together some better efforts. Um, they scored 34 points against Oklahoma State. They scored 20 points against Oklahoma. And so it seems like they might be coming into their own a little bit more on that side of the ball. They have a pretty salty defense, Oklahoma uh, tore them up in Norman and dropped 50 on them. But <clears throat> this is a, a proud, proud team that under Matt Campbell has typically been physical and played well on that side of the ball. And so pretty similar to what, you know, West Virginia uh, and their identity is. And it's on the road names. It's a night game. Going to be a good environment. Going to be a tough game to win. But you got to find a way to win against Iowa State. You have to find a way to win against BYU. Some of you yesterday – we're like, I'm, I'm jumping ship. I'm done. I understand the frustration. Michael said, it's already time to start preparing for next season. Any hope of a meaningful season this year uh, required starting off 7-0. and 5-7 and seven is what we're looking at now based on what I've seen so far, and that is a little more problematic. Um, and that sentiment was shared by, by a few of you. Like, hey, you know, we're at a point now where um, Big 12 championship kind of looks out of the picture, which – I get why everybody believes that, but I'm not like I'm not ready to give up on these things yet. Do I think they're going to beat Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas State? No, I would not pick TCU to win those games right now. But the good news is you don't play those teams tomorrow. You don't play them Saturday, right? You play Iowa State Saturday. That's the team you have to beat, and you have to work on getting better. And again, like I think this team could be five and zero. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. I understand that, but there's talent here. Uh, this is a flawed team. They're they're not great on the offensive line. Um, the defense is is solid. I would say they, you know, I, I don't love sometimes how they give up touchdowns and what I would call response drives. So TCU goes up seven nothing. Saturday puts together a really nice drive. You know, that's that's a moment where you want your defense to stand up and get a stop, and then let's get some momentum going. But then they, they give up a touchdown drive. And, you know, sort of later on in the first half, it's 14-7. 
give up another touchdown drive. Uh, Got to hold the team to field goals sometimes. But in the second half, their backs were against the wall a lot, and they found ways to get stops. And they gave the offense multiple opportunities to go win the football game, and they couldn't do it. Sonny Dyke said it after the game Saturday. It's like, listen, we've had two chances now this year with the ball in our hands, chance to go either tie it or win it, and we couldn't find a way to get it done. We have to be better in those situations. We have to find a way to win in those crucial moments. Um, and that's that's really it. Like, you have to find a way to win games ugly. You have to find a way to win games when you don't give your best effort. If you end up winning that game 28-24 against West Virginia, it was ugly. It wasn't, you know, it's not one that you're going to frame and make an instant classic, but the bottom line is you survive in advance, and they couldn't find a way to do that against a, a really stout West Virginia defense. And so – one part of it is you just got to find a way to win. You got to find a way to win and get to five and two before this last five game stretch of the season. The second part of it for me is you have to find a creative way to start scoring touchdowns in the red zone and get over some of your limitations on offense. I think this offense is at their best when Amani Bailey runs the ball well. Saturday, he did not have a good game. 19 carries for 55 yards, about, uh, you know, three yards per carry. Um, TC ran the ball 38 times, but as my buddy Matt Jennings pointed out to me yesterday, that's factoring in Chandler's attempts too. So really they ran the ball about 27 times and threw it 41 times. And I get why they did that because they were having trouble running the football, but you have to find a way to be a balanced offense. Chandler throwing the ball 40 times is not a great recipe for winning football games. It means either you're in a shootout and you're trying to trade scores with a team, or in the case of what happened Saturday, you're just really struggling to, to run the football. You're not having success doing that, and so then you have to go to plan B. Um, but I know they've tried some things with jet sweeps and creative ways to get the ball outside the tackle box, running the football. You need to do more of that, but you need to be more successful. I like that little pitch they had to Major Everhart. I think it was on the last drive of the game where he picked up 10 yards. Maybe you can use your speed in the wide receiver positions more by motioning those guys in the backfield and then getting the ball in space and letting them run. But on the days where you can't run between the tackles effectively, you have to find a counter move. You have to find a way to continue to move the ball and be effective on offense because what happened Saturday just can't happen again. I mean, short yardage all season might be a problem. Um, but you have to get healthy on the offensive line. You have to get better. You have to find ways to either get that unit to be more cohesive and understand their assignments better and play with more confidence and be more effective, or you have to find a way to scheme up, um, you know, some some counter punches to get defenses from breathing down your neck so much uh, because that was a that was a tough loss on on Saturday and it was largely because they just could not run the football and have much balance on offense, especially in the second half. So these two, like, this is it. This is kind of the last stand for this team. If they're going to reach some of the goals that we had before the season, um, you know, you got to win these next two games and you have to find, you have to either get healthier on offense and find more of an identity, or you have to find some ways to be more effective as a unit moving forward. And I don't really know what the identity of this offense is, 
besides they like to go fast. I think when they run the ball well, that helps, you know, because it, it gives them something to fall back on in just about any situation. But that wasn't the case in the West Virginia game, and it's what ultimately costs them um, that football game. So they have to find a way to be more effective across the board, but finding ways to run the football creatively would be a nice start. We'll wrap up when we come back and do our Big 12 whip around where we take a look across uh, the rest of the conference, what the results were. We'll do that next year on Lockdown Horn Frogs. All right, Bird Dogs. I uh, I love Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs has been nice enough to send us a few um, pairs of shorts and pants so that we can wear them around and kind of get a feel for what they do. Bird Dogs, they fit great. Um, they look like, you know, kind of formal wear. They look like you know, normal khaki shorts that you could wear at work, that you could wear at a more, you know, formal event. But they stretch and they fit really well. They give you a truly sculpted look. Um, they fit way bigger, better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. They have a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches to give you a way better fit without having to sacrifice movement. Um, you can wear bird dogs just about anywhere. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on college at checkout. And you get a free water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle. At checkout, you won't want to take these bird dogs off. I promise you, you'll want to wear them everywhere. We thank bird dogs for being a sponsor here of the Lockdown Network. Okay, what else happened around the Big 12 Conference on Saturday? Um, not a full slate of games. Had some teams with some bye weeks, but we'll take a look at the rest of the league and where teams are. Um, Oklahoma and Texas setting up for a good matchup this Saturday. Oklahoma beats Iowa State. 50 to 20 Cyclones are now two and three on the season, one and one in Big 12 play. Oklahoma is now five and zero oh in the season and two and zero oh in Big 12 play. And it was kind of the coming out party for the Oklahoma offense. They have been um, not super effective this year. This is a team that's really relied on the defensive side of the ball to make most of, of uh, their success happen. Um, but offensively put up 50 points. Iowa State took a quick, um, or Iowa State tied it up at seven, but really from there it was all OU. Uh, Dylan Gabriel with a really nice game, um, had 360 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interceptions. Uh, Oklahoma forced uh, Iowa State into two turnovers on the day, intercepting them twice, and just dominated that football game. So Brett Venables, I was pretty skeptical after last season, uh, but he's got that defense fixed, and it seems like they're getting – more explosive on the offensive side of the ball as the year goes on. So they'll play Texas in the Red River rivalry uh, as they do on a yearly basis on Saturday at 11 o'clock. And UT, uh, they get a win over Kansas. Final score was 40-14. to 14. It was a close game at halftime. Um, Horns were up 13-7, to seven, but they really dominated that game from the start. And they pulled away there in the second half. Story of the game for Kansas, Jalen Daniels was out with a back injury. We'll get more updates on him throughout the week, but he's re-aggravated. He's, he's had this back injury now. It's bothered him all season. Apparently he re-aggravated it right before the Texas game, and so he couldn't play. Jason Bean was 9-21 for 136 yards and a touchdown. Kansas couldn't really run the ball at all. Um, on the other side, Jonathan Brooks had 218 yards rushing for the Horns. Uh, Texas overall had 336 yards rushing, 325 yards receiving or passing on the day. They are super balanced. 
they're getting it done. This they look legit. And so Texas and Oklahoma will face off each other on with each other. Both teams undefeated. Uh, that game Saturday at 11 a.m. should be a great Red River rivalry matchup. Uh, BYU bounces back. They defeat Cincinnati 35-27. to Bearcats are now 0-2 in Big 12 play. BYU is 1-1 in Big 12 play. Um, Keaton Slovis kind of got back on the right track for the Cougars. 223 yards. He was 13-24, two touchdowns. Um, L.J. Martin had 66 yards rushing, and BYU defense – uh, played well enough to get a victory. And so they lost to Kansas a week before, but they are now 500 in Big 12 play as well. Uh, Texas Tech beats Houston 49-28. to Both those teams are 2-3 and three overall on the year. Tech is 1-1 one one Big 12 play. Houston is now 0-2. Oh that was a back-and-forth football game in the first half. Um, both teams were scoring touchdowns. Tech had a 35-28 to lead at halftime, but Houston was putting together some great drives. Uh, Mike Leach's family was honored before that game, and it was kind of uh, a cool tribute for both those teams to score a lot of points there in the first half. But then Texas Tech's defense stepped up in a big way in the second half. They shut out Houston, and, and then they were able to put together a few drives to, to pull away and put that game away. Uh, Houston, it just seems like it's going to be a frustrating year for them, you know, stepping up to the Big 12, very inconsistent on the offensive side of the ball, which is uncharacteristic for a Dana Holgerson-led team. Um, and Tech, we'll see if they're kind of coming in their own. They play Baylor this week, which is an interesting game because both those teams have struggled pretty mightily through the first five games of the season, but they're both coming off wins. And so a chance for uh, for either of them to kind of get back on the right track when they face off against each other Saturday evening. And then Baylor with a huge comeback. They beat uh, UCF 36-35. to Bears were down by as much as 28 in that football game. UCF had a huge lead early. They're putting together touchdown drives, um, had, you know, forced some turnovers, looked like Baylor might be throwing in the towel. But they rallied and they came back and won that game, stopped UCF, you know, kicked a field goal late, stopped UCF on their final drive. And so, yeah, that'll be an intriguing matchup between Baylor and Tech this week as both those teams try to kind of get back on the right track. And they're coming off a win um, against UCF and Houston, respectively, on Saturday. We'll be back again tomorrow uh, and through the rest of the week having coverage of this Iowa State game. Thank you for tuning in to Locked on Horn Frogs. It's your team every day.